This is the Annex, a sociology podcast. I'm Joseph Cohen from Queens College in the City University of New York. For more, visit theannexpodcast.com. Apparently, University of Pennsylvania law professor Amy Wax seems to have been caught up in a controversy about comments that she made Glenn Lowry's podcast that had to do with race and student performance. What ended up happening is, you know, there was a bit of a brouhaha, both among the students and I and I, I think the administration at, at Penn. And they decided to relieve Wax of certain teaching responsibilities um, as a result. So that in and of itself is interesting. But then Glenn Lowry steps in and he made comments in a, a local newspaper in Pennsylvania, the Daily Pennsylvanian, in which he basically supports Amy Wax and her comments and basically says that there's like sort of like an Orwellian aspect to this whole brouhaha, I think is 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 the quote. The phrase Amy Wax trending on Twitter like a week ago, and I'm like, I'm not going to look. But <laughs> I do listen to Glenn Lowry's podcast, and, and he had her back on. It was interesting. He For the vast majority of of this follow-up episode, he kind of played devil's advocate. And he was kind of taking the position of regardless of whether certain things are accurate empirical observations, there's questions of kind of etiquette of expressing them, especially when it could, you know, have uh, adverse pedagogical consequences. And then at the very end, he just straight up commiserated with her. But uh, my understanding from listening to the follow-up podcast, and although I don't recall the original one, is that her statement was to the effect that she finds that uh, black students at UPenn Law School are basically never honor students, typically finish in the bottom half of the class. Yeah, I think she said that black students seldom graduated high in their class, which I think leaves that little wiggle room for if someone's like, what do you mean? Number one last year was black. And right. she'd say, oh, yeah, well, I said, she said uh, never, which is a, a more extreme claim. And, you know, and, and I think actually Lowry pushed back on her on that follow up podcast that he was surprised that it was uh, never, you know, that that's a more extreme claim. And then she said, rarely, rarely. I think in his support of her, I think what Lowry was saying is, you know, we should be allowed to make these observations, right? We may be wrong, but, you know, mostly, you know, we're pretty much right. And I don't think that people should rush to assigning some kind of racism or racial animus behind Mm -hmm. those kinds of statements, right? One of the things that this brings up to me is, you know, and we've talked about this numerous times in the show is, you know, sort of like this push across the country at colleges and universities to toughen up and tighten up their free speech policies so they can get that top rating from FIRE. I can't even remember what FIRE stands for. Oh, Foundation for Individual Rights in Education. Yeah. For some reason, now everyone's trying to chase that. I don't know, like a Nobel Prize or something. And as a result, I mean, there has been a little bit of pushback, not so much from faculty, but from students saying, hey, we don't think that you understand how this might potentially affect students on campus. And in thinking about this, you know, I'm thinking, you know, what if hypothetically, Amy Wax or another law professor were to say something like this in front of her class, right, to her students, even if she hadn't said it 
in front of the class, presumably her students are listening, you know, listen to her when she's on the radio or on podcasts or read her words in newspapers. And in a place like law school, where it seems there's lots of group work going on, who's going to want to be in the group with the Black kid who rarely, rarely makes it to the top of the class? Well, okay, so I totally understand what you're saying and what Lowry said in terms of the pedagogical impact of this. I do worry that, in effect, this means... Because if you're saying... Like, if it was just an issue of what can you say in class, that there should be certain discretion Mm -hmm. about what you say in class, I I would be completely behind that. But now it's like, if you're saying anything that people who are in your class could learn of, then effectively you're saying that there's certain things you can't ever say in public. I'm never a proponent of things you can never, never say in public. Ever, ever, ever. Right. I mean, part of why I'm bringing this up is because I want to ask the question, was the fact that she was relieved from her responsibilities from teaching required courses because of what she said on a podcast, or was it because of what she may have said in a classroom context? Yeah, I'd have no way of knowing that. I mean, I avoided reading more about it because it it just like struck me as like, I don't need to follow every two minute hate I see trending on Twitter. But, um, you know, I, <laughs> my understanding is that the the primary stated motivation was this issue of um, that people were upset by what she said on Lowry's podcast. It's weird that I saw people complaining that she lost, she, she lo- lost her class, which basically means she doesn't have to teach like a large intro class. <laughs> and people were like, what? You get a prize for that. Like, that's a prize. Well, you uh, know, it's, it's a little like... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, I I totally understand what you're saying, that it's like normally you'd be like, oh, can I get a course release? This is fantastic. Or even can I teach a seminar instead of a lecture? Yeah, exactly. Oh, let's just have a roundtable about like uh, intellectual property in concept and instead of me teaching you to memorize. I think it was like intro to torts or something like that. Yeah, something. But yeah, I mean, civil procedure, that was her class. But, uh, you know, I don't know. It's kind of like if anything is done as a punishment, it still feels like a punishment, right? So it's like, you know, if I told you, I said, Joe, you know, for being such a horrible podcast host, you're going to have to have this steak dinner with Brussels sprouts and, uh, you know, (laughs) you know, foie gras, you know, you, you might... You know, <laughs> even if you enjoy that, it still is. Take, if I'm presenting it as a punishment, then it's a punishment. I'm playing devil's advocate here. Should you never mention perceptions of performance differentials among ethnic groups? Is that taboo in our business? So I think perceptions can get you in trouble. (laughs) I think you have real data that I think that's totally fine. And I also want to say that I actually think Wax's comments about students, I think if you put it into like the broader context of other things that she said and and written in the past people were just like okay enough's enough in the washington post article that came out earlier this month she has written that everyone wants to go to countries ruled by white europeans because their cultural norms are superior and i, I don't shrink from the word superior oh. Uh, I mean, just things like that. Yeah, I mean, like, okay. who, who does that? that? That's good enough for me. <laughs> I, I know the, the thing you're talking about, but I think her general career as a public intellectual is kind of, um, it's not a, 
you know, here's genetics and blah, blah, blah. It, it, her general career as a public intellectual is much more of a pull your pants up type deal. It's much more of a, you know, her, her basic shtick, like if I could summarize it slash caricature it, although not uncharitably, you know, in 10 seconds would be, you know, I really take no pleasure in saying this. I want everyone to thrive. And in order to do that, everyone needs to adopt bourgeois norms. And if that happens, everyone will thrive. That's basically her shtick in a nutshell that has characterized her as a public intellectual for the last five years or so. Yeah, it's like it's like the rich people who are like, yeah, you know, if everybody just got their MBA and, you know, got their MBA at a top rated school, they could earn a ton like me, not realizing that maybe, you know, you have some advantages. Yeah, but what you're saying is obtuse, not offensive. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, well, well, one thing uh, Leslie said, it's interesting because it was reflected in the the follow-up conversation I I heard with uh, Wax and Lowry, is that Wax was saying that she would like to have data. She'd like to be able to speak uh, from systematic data rather than um, anecdote and impression, but um, that type of data is tightly controlled. Um, And, you know, I, I know that there's been other people who've addressed this issue much more systematically. So Richard Sander, who's at UCLA Law School, has talked about basically exactly the same thing that uh, Wax has talk, w- was talking about anecdotally. Um, mm. And my understanding is he had to like sue like a FOIA type thing to get access to the data um, and uh, analyze it. Can I ask a question? Yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I was just listening to the episode you recorded with Amy Binder, and it seems like some similar issues came up around kind of uh, faculty member speech, um, kind of their responsibilities for being cognizant of how their speech, either inside or outside of the classroom, might have pedagogical effects. And mm-hmm. I'm just curious how you all kind of might compare those two cases. See, that's interesting. I was thinking along those lines when when Leslie said like, yeah, and then there's going to be some black student at the law school who like is totally smart and is looking for someone in a group. And now everybody else, after listening to Professor Wax talk about how black students are almost never good, (laughs) because that's basically what she's saying, right? She's basically like in a nutshell, she's like, yeah, usually black students aren't good in so many words, they're going to be like, I mean, I don't want to be with any black people if that's the case. Realistically, I think that the students are going to, I don't think that the uh, overwhelming response has been, oh, she's right. Let's act on this knowledge. I think the overwhelming response has been, she's offensive. Let's distance ourselves from her. One of the things Amy talked about was, you know, kind of the ways in which faculty members can kind of close themselves off by kind of their speech or the things that they display to, you know, certain students who might then feel, well, this isn't someone who, I mean, and maybe it's better for certain students to know this is not someone who I should look to for mentorship. Maybe she's doing them a favor in that sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and certainly there are uh, pedagogical yeah. consequences to that, that kind of speech, whether or not, you know, you want to say you want to police it or not. Yeah, like it's being a bad teacher. That is bad mentoring. Yeah, exactly. And like if I had kids who were going to that school, I'd be like, you know what? Look out for this person. But does the context matter? 
like does it matter that she wasn't or or for the sake of argument that she wasn't saying this as part of a lecture but that she was saying this you know in another context you know that was available in public but wasn't explicitly pitched to her uh, students well again it reminds me of that case that you all were talking about you know with say a professor tweeting about on their own personal account about you know well trump supporters are stupid or uh-huh. something like that i mean there is a debate there i think you know the extent to which the content uh, context matters. But I think what Joe is saying, I agree with, is that, you know, there are going to be, if you want to be a good teacher to as many students as possible, then there could be consequences. Yeah. Let's take the example of Philip Cohen, who, you know, is a friend to all of us and was on the podcast, but he spends half his day tweeting fairly childish memes about the president. I basically agree with him that the president is a low character, but, you know, he's not exactly expressing, you know, reasoned argument there. Let's say that you were a student who, you know, your family voted for Trump and you're going to University of Maryland. You know, would you be justified in saying, I don't want to take Professor Cohen's class? There's kind of a difference there. It's one thing to say that Trump voters are stupid and nothing to say that Trump is stupid, right? It's one thing to say Trump is stupid, right? And you're thinking about this political Mm -hmm. figure, right? And then to say black students are stupid. That's a very, very, very different dynamic, right? And that's a very, very different kind of statement than calling out our political figures. I think that we need to be careful about how we actually characterize our students, real and imagined, both in and outside of the classroom. Because I do think not only can that cause you to alienate students from you, but it can also cause other students to alienate those students, right? I mean, to, and, and to kind of shun them in ways. You've been listening to The Annex, a sociology podcast. For more information, visit theannexpodcast.com. Music is by Lena Orsa. Our production team included Anika Chowdhury and Lisette Moreno. On behalf of the Annex team, I'm Joe Cohen. Thanks for listening.